This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A curveball! It's time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Well, hello again, everyone. Welcome to episode number 120 of Brewers on Tap. We are from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, embedded with the Brewers on this road trip. The crew, of course, uh, starting this road trip in Chicago, making their way through Cleveland. And now we'll finish up this road trip in Philadelphia against the Phillies, one of the top teams in the NL East. The crew has had a tough road trip so far. Dropped two of three to the White Sox. That snapped a streak of six consecutive series wins for the Brewers. This has been one of the hottest teams in baseball since the beginning of May, but the White Sox able to snap that streak last weekend in Chicago. And then the Brewers, two tough pitching matchups in Cleveland. Corey Kluber on Tuesday night lost a one-run game 3-2 to the Indians. And, of course, Carlos Carrasco on Wednesday afternoon. And the Brewers dropped that decision by a final score of 3-1. So the crew sitting at 37-25 and overall. When you look at the standings, the Brewers still in very good shape. The Brewers still sitting... In first place in the National League Central and still in a position where uh, they have the top record in the National League as of right now. So the Brewers playing so well from the middle of May through the beginning of June have really set themselves up, giving themselves a little bit of equity, if you will, a little bit of margin for error. But the crew clearly wants to get back on the winning track this weekend against the Phillies. The standings right now in the NL Central. Brewers 37 and 25. The Cubs just a game back at 34 and 24. St. Louis two and a half back at 32 and 27. And the Pirates four and a half back at 31 and 30. And then the Reds are 21 and 41. They're 20 games below 500 and essentially out of things in the NL Central. And then when you look at the records across the National League, it's once again, the Brewers and Cubs and then the Nationals and Braves. Those are kind of the four teams with the best records in the National League right now. The Brewers atop of that at 37 and 25, Cubs right behind them, as we told you. And then you have the Nationals at 35 and 25, and you have Atlanta at 36 and 26. So Brewers with some tough matchups over the course of the weekend. They're going to see Vince Velasquez and Jake Arrieta over the weekend against the Phillies. So it will be a fun and interesting series against a Phillies team that is five games above 500 themselves at 32 and 27. Of course, a lot coming your way on the podcast this week because this past week was also the MLB Amateur Draft. And uh, the Brewers had three picks in the top 73. Their top pick, Bryce Terang, shortstop out of California, he was available at 21. The Brewers were ecstatic that he was available at 21. He has a lot of bat-to-ball skills, a lot of speed, 
very good defensively. Looks like a guy that's going to be able to stick at shortstop over the course of his career. Maybe not a big power guy, but that's okay at shortstop. He is going to put the ball in play. He should hit for average. And he was, by a lot of people's standards, a couple of months ago, six months ago, considered to be a guy that could go at the top of this draft. So the Brewers were really thrilled that he felt the 21 to them. They're very familiar with him, too. Win Pelzer was the area scout. He's the same area scout that was over the top of Keston Hira last year and involved in last year's first-round draft pick. But he played for the Brewers team in the area code games out in California as well. So the Brewers have some familiarity. He has worn a Brewers jersey and uniform in the past. So that was a, a very exciting thing for the Brewers that Bryce Terang was available at number 21. Then with pick number 60, they take Joe Gray, another guy, high school center fielder, looks like a very high ceiling for Joe Gray, maybe a little bit more power. Maybe a little bit more swing and miss, but great speed once again. A guy that can stick in center field. That was a big get for the Brewers. They feel like Joe Gray has a chance to be a really big prospect for them down the road. And then at number 73, another center fielder, another high school outfielder out of Hawaii in the name of Micah Bello. Brewers went very pitching heavy on day two of the draft and then finished out the draft on day three. We will highlight a couple of the other interesting picks for the Brewers in the MLB amateur draft coming up a little bit later on when we check in on the farm. Speaking of which, the Brewers have had some exciting stuff going on down on the farm. Keston Hira promoted from Class A Advanced Carolina up to Double A Biloxi. He continues on that fast track. We're going to talk to Keston Hero. He will join us via the phone on the podcast to talk about the promotion, look back at last year when he was getting drafted. He's just a year into the organization, and he's already in double-A. We told you at the time, advanced bat, that has proven to be true. So we'll talk to Keston here coming up. And speaking of hitting, we're going to talk to Brewers hitting coach Darnell Coles as well. So should be exciting. We're looking forward to it. Uh, we hope that you'll stay with us for the entire podcast and uh, have a chance to listen to both of those interviews. All right, let's jump into it. Brewers, off day Thursday, getting ready for this series against the Phillies. Let's talk to their hitting coach, Darnell Coles, and break it down. Let's break it down. Uh, what a fun start to the year this has been for, for you and your group. Uh, you have some new guys that you're working with this year. What have you learned about some of these guys through the first couple of months of the season? Well, I, I think that you're, you're just learning their routines and trying to get comfortable and gain their trust when you're trying to make little subtle changes and making sure that they get their work done. Um, I think a lot of it is based on them knowing themselves, us trying to learn them and being uh, in a spot where understanding all that and make it a workable uh, deal and that you're not overworking early um, because of all the travel and, and all the other stuff that we had going on, but you also want to make sure that you get enough work uh, that makes sense so that you can have your uh, good swings during the game. When you look at last year's squad a lot of young guys and a lot of young guys that had big years as you sat back and digested that and got ready for 2018 what were the things that you kind of circled with this group maybe even though each guy's individual just in general of where you wanted to see this offense take the next step well the consistency of of swinging at good pitches with runners in scoring position i think that there's always a lot of traffic on the bases and uh, just not buying into the fact that you've got to change your swing. Uh, you're still trying to get a good pitch, whether there's nobody on or, or somebody on. So um, you just got to understand 
that you got to be disciplined enough to swing in a pitch that you can do the job. And uh, for the most part, we've been better at it, but uh, the, it's still been a struggle for me just making sure that guys understand how they're being pitched and uh, having situational awareness. Everybody talks about launch angle in this day and age of baseball. Where, where do you fall in that regard, and, and how much of that kind of information do you feed these guys throughout the season? Well, I try not to feed them a whole lot of it. I think that they get all that on their own. I think uh, most importantly that the launch angle doesn't start till you get through the ball and now as you start to get in your upswing now that's where the launch angle comes in i think that uh, it can be taught wrong where you're uh, a hitter can start his launch angle a little too soon so now you become a, a fly ball hitter and that now everything that you're swinging at is now getting a little bit too deep and then now uh, it looks good and it works for the most part in batting practice and early work but come game time you're a little late so uh, my objective is to just make sure that they're in a good position to see and recognize what they're swinging at, understand what the pitcher's trying to do, uh, and, it, and it can change from a bat to bat, team to team, uh, uh, things change. But at the end of the day, you're trying to make sure that you're in position to uh, beat the pitcher to the spot, and if you beat the pitcher to the spot, I uh, like our chances. One of the few guys that didn't have the season last year you wanted at the plate was Jonathan VR. Seems like he has made great strides again in 2018. What are some of the little changes you've seen with him? Well, I think the consistency of coming in and getting his work done, um, understanding his swing, you know, and, and giving himself a better chance by staying through the ball and not being in and out of the zone, and that's both right-handed and left-handed. Sometimes a right-handed, he's a little too quick. He has more power from the right-hand side, uh, but at the end of the day, if you're, if you're too quick and you're speeding things up, then that's uh, counterproductive. Now, left-handed, uh, he can have a little bit too much inward shoulder turn, which, has, which uh, puts him in position to rotate around the ball or pull off the ball. So understanding uh, where you need to be, what your body movements are, keeping your head under control so there's not too many movements that allows you to see the ball and uh, put a good swing on it. I think you probably knew early on with Jesus Aguilar, even last spring, this is a guy that was going to have some, some pop in that bat. Did you think he would be able to hit for average the way he's been able to? Well, I think anytime uh, you, you understand uh, Jesus, uh, he has a great idea of what he wants to do. He understands pitchers, what they're trying to do. He, he understands his body and what it takes to get himself in position to uh, swing the bat, but he also understands the role of coming off the bench. So, so it's a lot easier to play every day than it is to come off the bench. And he's found a, a nice groove that he's in. I think that uh, sometimes it's intermittent uh, where you have you know night game, day game, day game, so you don't get a chance to let your body catch up. But I think uh, he's done a great job. Uh, and that started last year, and we're just trying to continue to allow him to swing the bat the way he's swinging. I'm just trying to stay out of his way. DC, we appreciate it as always. Thanks so much. Thanks. Appreciate you having me. It is uh, going to be a, a, a fun and exciting summer. And this offense, uh, hey, look, they ran up against a couple of really good pitchers Tuesday and Wednesday in Cleveland. But I think overall, this offense is still going to be there when it's all said and done. And they're going to put up some big numbers over the course of the summer. Okay, we're going to go down on the farm and check in with Keston Hira in a few moments. But first, we're going to highlight the draft. <laughs> Checking in on the farm.
As we go down on the farm, let's take a look at some of those other selections. We told you about the top three picks for the Brewers in the MLB draft. Of course, Bryce Terang, the shortstop from California, Joe Gray, the center fielder from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and Micah Bello, the center fielder out of Hawaii. Uh, some other interesting names that came off the board for the Brewers, left-handed pitcher Aaron Ashby out of Kansas City, Missouri, a JUCO pitcher. Brewers selected him in the fourth round. He is a, a lefty, 6'1", 170, but thought to be a pretty high-ceiling guy. Drew Rasmussen, a right-handed pitcher out of Oregon State, went in the sixth round for the Brewers. David Fry, a catcher from Northwestern, Brewers selected him in the seventh round. And you keep going on down the list, the Brewers really heavy with pitching. And that shouldn't be a surprise. Every team goes pretty heavy with pitching when you have uh, 40 rounds when it's all said and done. But a ton of arms, uh, a handful of college arms that were a part of the equation for the Brewers in this draft this year. And then uh, a handful of catchers, including uh, Kike Rios in the 28th round out of the University of Hawaii. Brewers have had a lot of success and they have not been shy about getting into the state of Hawaii with their draft picks. You think about Cody Medeiros, Jordan Yamamoto, who of course was traded uh, in the Christian Yelich trade, but he was somebody that uh, the Brewers have had success with in their organization. K.J. Harrison, who is a catcher right now in the Midwest League for the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, who played at Oregon State as well. Uh, so the Brewers have had success uh, in the state of Hawaii and uh, they, they went into the state of Hawaii yet again in this MLB amateur draft. Somebody that went through this process a year ago and is now already in double-A Biloxi is last year's first-round pick, Keston Hura. Keston, always good to catch up with you. First off, congratulations on the promotion to double-A Biloxi. Uh, uh, a good first couple of months in high-A Carolina after a slower start. You really... Uh, finished strong with a great month of May. How excited were you to get the call and the promotion to the Shuckers? Yeah, thank you. And it definitely feels good, uh, you know, to, to definitely get promoted and all that. Um, you know, I enjoyed my time in Carolina. Great group of players there, great group of coaches, and great fans. So, you know, I'm going to miss it there a little bit, but, you know, I'm excited to, to start my career here in Biloxi. You mentioned Carolina. That's a cool minor league baseball environment, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I heard that Carolina, their field has the biggest video board in all minor league baseball, so that was definitely cool to see. But, um, yeah, it's a great stadium. Um, you know, it's definitely the short porch right is a little little fun for, for me as well. But, uh, but, yeah, I had a great time there, um, great atmosphere, and, um, you know, enjoyed my time. Keston, you got off to a little slower start, but then in May you turned it on. 377 average in the month of May. You hit six home runs in the month of May. Um, you mentioned the the short portion that you kind of enjoyed that as well. What changed for you? What did you find in your game that allowed you to turn that corner in May? Um, I think it was just understanding that it's a long season. Um, you know, the next day there's a brand new baseball game that you know that can be played, and um, just flushing down what happened in the past and not trying to press too much on. Um, you know, putting pressure on yourself to to get hit or to succeed. So I think it was just realizing that, that it's a long season and you know, every day is a brand new day. Keston, how different was it at high A compared to what you saw last year in the Midwest League with the Timber Rattlers or even prior to that 
when you first got your feet wet in professional baseball in the Arizona League uh, playing rookie ball? Um, I think definitely more a little bit more velo and a little more better stuff uh, pitching wise. You know, pitchers they have you know their pitches are you know relatively firm, uh, probably low mid nineties for the most part, and um, you know better breaking balls or out pitches. But um, you know hitting wise, you can tell that hitters are definitely more advanced as well. And um, you know if you make a mistake, they're going to capitalize on it. So uh, I think that that aspect you you can tell the difference. You're back in the field now playing second base. You've kind of gone every other day at times to make sure that that arm and, and elbow is responding the way that you want it to. How comfortable are you now getting back out on the field? Oh, I've been getting really comfortable. You know, I'm glad to be back on the field. Um, you know, it was a little bit up and down in the beginning, um, you know, trying to make sure my arm is right and, you know, ready for it to be in the field. But, you know, once I got back in the field, you know, I was happy to be there and, you know, be able to practice every day um, during batting practice and before the games. It really helped um, getting comfortable there. But you know, definitely game, real game innings is the only way to get comfortable. So I'm glad to you know log in a good amount of innings so far. I asked you about the difference between the Midwest League and then the Carolina League, essentially low A to high. What's been the difference that you've noticed now in that small sample size since you've been in the Southern League in Double A? Uh, everything just seems to be like more controlled, um, you know, crisper play, I, I guess you could say. Um, you know, a lot more people are more professionalized and you know, they understand what they're doing. Um, you know, they're going to try to try to get you out, you know, a certain way that based off of strategies and scouting reports and all that. So, um, you know, I've noticed that you know a lot of pitchers are more around the zone, so it you know definitely helps as a hitter to you know to attack the baseball um, as well and not you know chase as much. Um, but, I mean, yeah, just just in general, uh, everything seems to be played at a, a little bit faster pace. Um, you know, fielders are making more more plays, consistent plays, and you know, pitchers are pounding the zone more often. So I think in all about it's it's a quicker and more controlled, faster uh, pace of play. Is it more real for you now that you're a double A? I mean, you're essentially a step or two away from making your big league debut now. So is, is it different for you? that you're closer to major league baseball has the realness of that sunk in yet? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, especially, you know, playing with players that, you know, have been this organization, you know, to see how successful they've been as well. And you know, they've been right, you know, around the doorstep as well. So it definitely feels a little bit different to, to be in this position, but you know, I, I'm excited about it and, you know, can't wait for, you know, what's, what's next. Do you look around that clubhouse now in Biloxi and look at all the first round and high draft picks that are in there? Uh, you, you talk about Cody Medeiros, uh, Corey Ray, Trent Grisham, Jake Gatewood was a high draft pick. There's a bunch of high draft picks that you're sharing that clubhouse with right now. Oh yeah, there, there's definitely a lot of talent on this team, and you know we all know it, and we're excited to be playing with one another. And um, you know when when we're on the field, we always have a chance to win a ball game, and you know that's always a great feeling. Uh, but yeah, we have a really talented team, and you know, I'm excited to see you know play more games with them and uh, move forward in the season. A year ago, you were going through the draft process. The MLB draft just completed. Was it different for you to look back on that now, or were you glad that that part of it's kind of behind you and you're just into your professional career? Oh, definitely. It's it's definitely fun to watch, and you know, I've been keeping up and seeing you know what kind of players I've been going in the draft and and all that. But it's definitely exciting. Um, at the same moment because you know now there's a new new draft guy but um you know i'm excited for you know 
all of our new players to, to get into this organization and experience what you know, I've experienced so far this past year. Um, you know, it, it's definitely fun and you enjoy it for the most part. And uh, you know, you're, you're beginning your, your road to, to complete your dream and um, you, know, you can't ask for anything else. Hey, Keston, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Congratulations again on the promotion to Biloxi and best of luck the rest of the year. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Our thanks to Keston Hira for joining us here on the podcast. A couple of notes for you uh, from a minor league standpoint. The Brewers seeing three members of the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers named to the Midwest League Midsummer Classic, the Midwest League All-Star Game. Demi Oramaloy, the outfielder. Peyton Henry, a fantastic young catcher that probably isn't getting enough play right now when you start talking about under-the-radar prospects for the Brewers. Peyton Henry probably deserves to be in that conversation. And then pitcher Dylan File uh, as well, all selected to the Midwest League All-Star Game. So congratulations to those three. And then in Biloxi, nine shuckers named to the Southern League All-Star Game. Nine. It's a mouthful. Let's run through it. Jake Gatewood, who's had a huge month of May, and it's continued into June. He was selected. Jake Hager, the middle infielder. Outfielders Corey Ray, Troy Stokes Jr. Pitcher Zach Brown, who has been outstanding. We aren't talking about Zach Brown enough right now. Nate Greep, Thomas Jenkins, John Olzak, and Nick Ramirez, all representing the Shuckers in the Southern League All-Star Game. Pretty impressive stuff for the Shuckers. They have played great. Uh, that's been one of the best teams in the Brewers minor league system all season long. I, I want to come back to Zach Brown, though. We aren't talking about him enough. This is his first professional all-star game that he's made. He leads the Shuckers in strikeouts and innings pitched. He's 5-0. and The Shuckers are 11-1 in games in which he started this year. He has a 2.65 ERA. That is fourth best in the Southern League. 73 strikeouts are tied for third in the Southern League. He has been absolutely outstanding. That is somebody you need to circle. If you're following the Brewers' prospects, there's guys on that top 30 list, and there's guys that are in the top 10, and we pay so much attention to those guys. But there's always guys that can come from either outside the top 30 or lower down in that top 30 and work their way into the conversation. Corbin Burns was not a top 10 guy going into last year, and boom, he's one of the Brewers' top prospects now. Um, it, it, it works that way. Brandon Woodruff was not one of the top guys going into the 2016 season, and boom, he put himself into that conversation. Cam Regner is putting himself into a different conversation. Now, Cam Regner's 25 years old, and he's in high A, so that probably will limit where he ends up in terms of prospect status and where he ends up on list. But if he continues to pitch well, the Brewers will probably give him a chance to move up through the system as he continues to have success. There are names like that. Zach Brown's a name to pay attention to. Peyton Henry is a name to pay attention to for the Brewers, in my opinion. We said this about Freddie Peralta last year, too. Freddie Peralta was not considered you know, a top-10 prospect last year. All he did is keep striking people out. And now Freddie Peralta probably is considered one of the better pitching prospects in baseball. At least he should be. If he's not, that's crazy. Another great performance from him earlier this week where he went six and a third, had a no-hitter going, has been just absolutely outstanding since he's gone back down to AAA. And we'll see if Freddie Peralta gets the call again before this season's all said and done at the major league level. All right, let's see what's on tap. Here's what's on tap. Okay, coming up next week, the comps come to town the 11th through the 13th. 
on the 11th. That is a theme night ticket package, Stitch and Pitch. Fans who purchase a special Stitch and Pitch ticket package will receive a Bernie Brewer Stitch and Pitch mini bobblehead. That is a 7-10 start on Monday the 11th. On Tuesday the 12th, that's also a 7-10 start. And remember, on that Tuesday afternoon, the Wives Softball Challenge, Brewers Wives, are going to play against the Cubs Wives at Hellfair Field. That starts at noon. You can come out to that. And there's also a special ticket package that includes tickets to the Brewers Cubs Wives softball game, uh, along with your tickets to the game that night in a limited edition Brewers Tumblr and a donation to RBI. And then on the 13th, that is a 1:10 afternoon start. Senior stroll will happen following the game on that day. And then the Phillies come to town Friday the 15th, Saturday the 16th, and Sunday, June 17th. We'll tell you more about some of those promotions on next week's edition of Brewers on Tap. This has been episode number 120. Thank you for joining us, crew and the Phillies this weekend. Let's see the crew get some victories before they come home. We'll talk to you again soon. I'm Lane Grindle. Have a good one, everybody.